Hello and welcome to the Owl Podcast. Today you're going to hear Carrie Rusty talk about sustainability and how she added value to her flight department. I said so a couple minutes, couple minutes past two o'clock. So we want to welcome everybody here. We'd like to introduce Carrie Rusty. She is the cabin safety manager with Adobe. And she's uh, kind of dug in deep with the sustainability. I, I always feel like if you can take any uh, crisis and try to change it around. And then I think now during COVID, it's a great time to kind of dig into sustainability and um, see where we can become healthier people, healthier planet by trying to control some of the waste and things that um, everybody contributes to. So I think there's a lot of buzz right now about sustainability, being it fuel and also catering um in the ways that that presents as well um but uh, we'd like to just introduce carrie i am Lori. i work with lb aviation and we have shannon also um, on board and chris boggs and we have nancy uh with lt and i'm not sure if I'm, and jessica from fuel links is on so if we want to go ahead and talk about it with carrie yeah so hello everyone as i um most of you were on earlier when, but I'll mention a little bit about my background. So I work, as Lori said, with Adobe Aviation. I've been with them since December of last year. And uh, when I came on board with Adobe, I was asked to take the lead on our sustainability project. And which actually felt really scary for me because I knew nothing about a or about sustainability and um i kind of felt like it was out of my cabin attendant scope but i was also really excited to take on a new challenge and find out more about how someone who's not an expert in sustainability can make some impactful changes to their flight department's sustainability planning um yeah so i don't know i think i guess Lori, if we yeah if we want to just start with um yeah. talking about um why it's important for your company adobe to become sustainable what what was kind of the benchmark for measuring that so the short answer is i they adobe was focused on sustainability long before I got there. So I don't know exactly what fueled their fire for sustainability or when that change was made. Um, but I do know in my research and some articles I've read and podcasts that I've listened to, um, and I suspect that this is part of why it's important to them or one piece of it. But basically, in a nutshell, the statistics are showing on a global scale that if we as corporations and businesses do not find ways to operate more sustainably or use renewable resources, we will run out of those resources that we need to operate our companies and to keep our companies in business. Um, so I imagine that's part of it. But also Adobe has a unique 
corporate culture in that they are there's some altruism to their corporate corporate culture and i think they are also just really passionate about you know doing what they can to be more environmentally friendly and what does that look like carrie um as far as um fuel i think that's um kind of understandable with the sustainable fuel but i guess on the catering side are you very particular when ordering catering on what products you take on board the plane i guess if you could kind of talk about that uh, for a little bit. so there i haven't come up with like you know a golden answer of like this is how it needs to be done right now i'm just kind of implementing my own ideas of what i can do better from the um, cabin attendant side of things. And actually, when I put together our sustainability plan, I really looked at it from a holistic approach. So what are some functional changes or changes within each function that everyone can make? Because sustainability, I think it has to be a cultural shift within the flight department. You kind of have to get buy-in from everyone um, and buy-in from the passengers um because you know there's changes that are going to be made they need to be be made aware of it and be okay with it but to answer your question as to what i'm doing on the cabin attendant side of things um and i'll say it feels like these are kind of smaller changes in comparison to transitioning to staff or using carbon offsets but these are still important changes if you want to have a you know holistic sustainability plan but i've worked really hard to try and source products on the aircraft so wherever i can if i can transition to reusable products versus throwaway products i will do that for example i used to use those throwaway oven tins to use in the oven and i've been able to find um some containers they're kind of a silicone base but they're reusable and you can use them for the oven and you can use them in the microwave as well a little bit extra work for me on board because then i have to wash them but um it's worth it because it moves us toward our sustainability initiative i've worked to um transition any just paper products like the paper coffee cups or paper plates to because we still need to use them right now I still kind of need some disposable items but I source them from companies that can provide compostable uh, coffee cups or paper plates so they will um, they basically break down faster and they turn into water or they break down into water and organic substance that um, I won't go into all the details of it because I don't understand exactly how it works. But my understanding is that when you use compostable products, they break down much faster. And then there's like these millions of tiny microbes that come in and they will feed on the organic matter that the um, 
compost is broken down to. And through consuming it, they change the what would be more toxic substance. It then changes to a less toxic, more organic substance, if that makes sense. I don't know if I explained that well. (laughs) No, it does make sense because I think that's kind of a a buzzword too, is having that... um, Sorry about that. Um, I think that's the latest buzzword. But I also wonder when you're ordering catering, uh, Carrie, do you um, request like certain things when you order like bamboo plates or do you make sure that it's all compostable? Um, Obviously, you use a reusable tin. So you make sure, do you put it in the silicone then when you get it on board? Can you kind of talk through that process? For me, I actually try to not use catering. That's kind of been a request from our passengers. So I do a lot of our, um, I basically go grocery shopping or I will source food from restaurants wherever possible. Um, Mainly in regards to catering and the food itself, I've basically been working to try and whittle down kind of the op the number of food options I give them in flights because we don't get like a specific catering order for our flight. They don't say I want, you know, soup and salad. I just kind of have their preferences and I know what they like and then I create a menu around that. So I have been trying to sort of whittle down the options I would normally give them so there's less waste. Um yeah, I haven't I haven't come up with any good ideas as far as how to direct caterers to um make our catering orders more sustainable. So Carrie, uh, living in the Midwest, I really don't have many options for caterers. <laughs> so do you you know try to Going on what you just said there, do you try to source caterers that only do sustainable products or do you more so just say, hey, do you, can you deliver on plates that are sustainable if you've got them? I guess how much is it proactive versus just saying, hey, if you got it, bring it? So I have... I haven't, um, you know, I don't have much interaction with actual caterers because like I was trying to, I guess I didn't articulate it well. So I do most of it myself. And so when we have those products um, or when I talk about getting compostable products, this is what I'm stocking on the airplane. And for me to use and replate in flight from items that I would get from a grocery store. But, I mean, what I... Oh, go ahead. You're doing your own shopping and putting it on your own plate and kind of recycling that way. Correct. Yeah. So I'm speaking more to, like, the supplies that you would have in the cabin and galley um, for your flights. But, I mean, it would all start with, as far as, like, working with caterers, 
start a conversation with them. Say, you know, call them up and say, hey, we've we've been directed to find ways to be more sustainable with our catering. And we're hoping you can help us with that because we want to continue to use you as a caterer. Um, and maybe start the conversation that way. Like how can, what are, and maybe they're already doing things in a more sustainable way or using more sustainable products. Yeah. And that's a good thought because I've not even talked to her about it. She may already be doing it and I have no idea. Yeah. And maybe start the, or shape the conversation in a way of this is what we as a flight department have been directed to do is to find vendors who can give us more sustainable catering options. And we really won't like using you and want to continue to use you. So we'd like to work with you to see how we can work together to be more sustainable. How do you handle the soda cans, water bottles, instant coffee pods? How do you handle that kind of um, trying to shift away from the in flight practices to be more sustainable? It's hard. <laughs> um, and... I mean, there's the like the simple idea around like, oh, have a recycling bin. But that's not a realistic idea because there's just not space on the airplane, especially, you know, depending upon what kind of airplane you're actually operating. Um, what I have tried to do just, you know, with waters and sparkling water is instead of having a bunch of the little bottles and cans, I will get the bigger ones and pour them into glasses. So we're using, so we have less bottles that we're using, if that makes sense. Um, you can also find boxed waters that are made, and I forget the brand, but they are made from, like the boxes themselves are made from compostable material so you can transition to that but there's no easy solution yet that i've seen how do you dispose of your trash at fbo's to do fbo's offer compost waste disposal or how do you so the beauty of compost is you, when you think of compost you think of like oh a compost pile like for your garden but that you don't necessarily have to dispose of it any differently than than you would regular trash because unless you're planning to use it for your garden, it can mix with the rest of it and it will still turn to compost while it's mixed in with the other garbage. So you don't have to separate that out. As far as recycling, so it's, we've been doing recycling like within our hangar, not necessarily for the aircraft trash, but just, you know, when we're for maintenance or anyone who's at the hangar, when you've got the big boxes to break down um, and we separate our bottles and cans that we use in the hangar we have a recycling can there for that um because we don't own our own hangar we lease it from signature so we've had to work with signature to make sure 
to set up a, a recycling um, area for all of our cardboard for them to come and pick up and take to, we have a, they do something with the recycling that they sort out for their FBO. So we are participating in that with them, but we've had to make kind of a separate request and arrangement for that. Um, and then they also have someone come and pick up the bottles and can and make sure that those get recycled appropriately. Just a quick question about costs related and kind of the transition over to sustainability from the perspective that during today, um, are, what, what kind of costs do, do you incur by um, kind of switching over to more compostable um, materials and um, adding recycling to like, you know, like in your case, you had asked Signature to do this most of the time they they add some sort of cost to that um you know because it does cost money to do the additional recycling responsibilities and all that um is there a big margin of cost that your company has to um kind of endure in order to, to create this greater good i so as far as signature helping us with recycling they already had recycling in place for their FBO so they didn't have to add any additional infrastructure or really do anything differently so I'm not aware that there's been any uh, extra cost for that piece of it but as far as transitioning to more sustainable or compostable products they are more expensive and I would guess you know kind of ballpark range they're probably about 30 percent ish more expensive than what you would normally be buying uh, that makes sense so like there there has to be some sort of like um like uh buy-in from your you know corporate officers as well or whoever in charge of kind of budgeting that um so this would have to be a perfect time from what you've described to get companies start writing up these initiatives for you know 2021 for instance and starting to kind of budget that out that way yeah absolutely and as far as staff i know staff is more like significantly more expensive than conventional jet a i know it varies and i don't know exactly how much more expensive i think it's more than 30 percent uh i would guess the additional cost is more than 30 percent for the SAF. But then yeah. again, if you are able to implement, you know, some reusable products where possible, then that's going to potentially save you money in the long run. Yeah. And I, um, through all the kind of investigations I've done for like the staff side from all the different people, it sounds like really the cost on that will, will, um, considerably drop once, um, transportation is kind of taken out of that, that queue and. Right. There's more refineries around the area that can produce that because the cost of actually creating it isn't really that expensive. It's more or less like the doubling the cost or adding an additional 30% margin because they're transporting it onto rail and all those silly things that um, that are necessary now as we grow. But it's, uh, yeah, so I, I get that too. Well, and that's why I think the whole movement around um, booking claim which I'm guessing most of you have kind of heard about. Um, I think that will have many positive effects. One of them being 
that now you can track the demands of SAF because anyone who participates in booking claim clearly wants to have SAF in their airplane. So if you can track the demand, then you can show the fuel providers that, hey, this is going to be profitable to invest in the infrastructure to support the demand for SAF. Ah, thank you. Are there any questions anybody wants to ask Carrie? Literally, what part could you just define sustainable fuel? Like what, what how what really makes it separate from jet fuel that we're buying today? So, and again, I'm not a SAS expert. So my understanding of sustainable aviation fuel, if you were to get 100% SAF, which is not available to us now, but it is basically made from renewable sources, like certain types of feedstock um, and things that can be renewed and you can grow again and continue to use. Uh, and the SAF that we see on the market right now, it's actually a blend and it is blended with conventional jet egg. So it's not a hundred percent renewable, but it is, it's better than just using conventional jet egg. Can you explain, Carrie, uh, carbon neutral or carbon footprint? Yeah. So your carbon footprint is essentially the greenhouse emissions, I guess, that your company, or if you're tracking for yourself, you can do that too. But it's the emissions that you are putting out in order to operate your day-to-day -day business. And it also sort of measures how much of the finite resources that you or your company are using to operate. And then in order that so you hear about carbon offsets, um, so carbon offsets are kind of a way to quote unquote neutralize your carbon footprints um, and so carbon neutrality is the idea of, of removing the emission that you've emitted to conduct business. And right now there's just not a lot of good ways to do that. We don't, as I said before, have the infrastructure and technology to really operate in a sustainable way just yet. And so what a lot of flight departments are using for kind of a temporary mitigation or solution is purchasing carbon offsets. And so with offsets, you're essentially, because you can't not emit those emissions yourself, you're essentially subsidizing another industry or another company and you're paying them you're paying them to reduce their emissions by cutting down their production does that make sense so if you 
tell, you know, a cattle ranch or some company like, hey, we want, we're going to pay you to reduce your carbon emissions by 10%. And we're going to pay you the amount of profit that you might have made with that 10% of production. Does that make sense? It does. Yes. You have great explanation. So a lot of, I mean, that's mainly because we can't get staff. There's more demand than supply. Most flight departments are neutralizing um, or becoming carbon neutral through purchasing offsets. So paying other companies to be more sustainable on their behalf. Understood. Questions, anybody? I heard that uh, World Fuel, I, and, and don't quote me on this exact, but they donate, like if 100 people fly to base, they um, figure out the emissions that were the carbon footprint they're leaving, and they donate that money to a carbon um, neutral to offset that expense. And I thought that was a pretty cool um tool for them to kind of you know help with the carbon carbon footprint i thought that was kind of neat yeah absolutely so i mentioned that i had some ideas for ways that like schedulers and dispatchers can potentially get involved and I actually talked about this with Lindsay because she's kind of been helping me on my journey to figure out Adobe's path on, on sustainability. And so one of the big challenges that we've come across is, you know, trying to find out where SAF is available. So I know one of the challenges I've given Lindsay is anytime we have a trip, let's call around to different FBOs in the area and see if any of them have SAF. And while that's not the only factor in deciding which FBO to use, that is actually a, a factor in our decision-making process. Um, and so... In doing that, that's obviously a time-consuming process for Lindsay to have to reach out to these FBOs. And we were talking about, like, why is there no sustainable aviation fuel map or even just a list of here's the FBOs that we know of that have staff available? And so I think that might be a really... Uh, impactful and helpful challenge for our schedulers and dispatchers to maybe work together. Would that create that? Sorry to interrupt. Would that coincide with ISBA? I wonder if ISBA would help would um, help with their um, customer service and kind of standardizing the FBOs. You wonder if that would help if they would add that to their list. I don't know what ISBA is. So I'm not. It's an international standard for business aviation handlers. So it's all FBOs and they kind of standardize the FBO process. Oh, that's an idea. Mm -hmm. 
So here's um, another thought on that too is um, that's something that I've been trying to work with sealer links on from like my, you know, my, my role and responsibility side of things, not, not just the like super fun side, but like actually doing all my software stuff. Um, and it has been a challenge because of the, um, the absence of consistency with each FBO and each location and provider. Um, so this is kind of something that we started uh, diving into for like dealer links customers, for instance, they shop their, their fuel for the program. And I know Lindsay, Lori, you guys see that already. Um, but it's where we're looking into getting those SBOs that do have the ability to have SAF at those locations and taking that a, another step further and having the non-physical aspects as well, like buying carbon offset credits, the ability to do that through the program and um, to flag those locations and those vendors and providers. Um, so that's something we're working on as a team at the Fueler Link side um, for each location. So, for instance, like Signature, they're actually starting to roll that out in their pricing sheet soon. So they're one that will be highlighting where they will have SAF. And um, that doesn't necessarily mean that there's availability there, but it means that there could be availability there. So it's still a little piece of the puzzle. Um, and same thing for, um, for instance, AppFuel. AppFuel does a carbon offset credit program, and they'll be working with our system to flag when there are, um, if you want to purchase carbon offsets um, in that process. And, and for the non-physical side, there's that book and claim process, which um, I haven't heard as much buy-in to the book and claim process as I have on the carbon offset pro uh, process for whatever reason. I think people have varying opinions about both of them. Um, whether which one works for their organization, but the book and claim process, we're also working with a couple of different providers on what that might make look like um, through the service. So maybe not a map per se yet. I know that's been requested on a, a few of the calls that I've heard, um, and I would love to see that too. So we could highlight that every single time so customers are more aware. But um, there are there are movements in that direction to ensure that at least um, there's a transparency there where you're where you're. Now being highlighted where there's the opportunity could potentially be there for SAF or um, or you could buy carbon offset credits or you could do the book and claim and even though the fuel isn't there, you're buying it under the, the price point of SAF and somebody else that's over at an SAF location like San Francisco, for instance, um, that's going 100% SAF. So that location would uh, maybe another client would purchase fuel for the regular buying price, but they get SAF, whereas you're doing the fucking claim process in New York or wherever you are, and you're purchasing it um, by receiving that kind of um, offset toward, toward your end. So you're getting the, the credit, essentially. Well, I can tell you that we are really, I'm, I was surprised to hear you say that people aren't seeming to be as excited about book and claim because we are really excited about it. I am. Because again, it's essentially, an offset that directly affects or impacts our cause, which is aviation sustainability and availability of sustainable aviation fuel. So we're excited about it. I think awesome. people probably just don't know quite what it is yet. Right. And that's, I think that's the biggest, that's the biggest reason behind this conversation today and the conversations that have been coming up, you know, 
every week that I've, I've noticed um, every everywhere there's some sort of talk about sustainability, which was really honestly the very first step to getting people engaged and getting people understanding. Um, because the, every time that I talk to somebody about sustainability from the fuel side, because um, that's, that's the side that I, I'm most like trying to dive into, um, and it, it feels like a drug deal. I don't know. That sounds really like a ridiculous thing to say to people, but it feels like a drug deal. Like you don't understand all the variables and you're, right. everybody has a question and not everything is answered a hundred percent. And you can ask the big higher ups in every single organization, field providers, SBO chains, um, corporate and charter, um, aviation departments, and even from the, the manufacturers and the, um, you know, the net phase and the, um, the GVOs and all those guys that refine the fuel. And nobody gives you the exact same answer every time. In fact, it's all different perspectives on how much it'll cost and what it'll look like and uh, what the actual blend looks like. Does it affect helicopters differently? Is there is there um, all the manufacturers on board? Are there not? Like there are so many different questions and it feels like um, just getting the awareness out there so that people like everybody that's on this call today will probably be even more in tune with questions that they want to ask now and they want to dive in more and they want to share this message more because the more people know that it that it is affecting our future and that it is something we need to look into from all aspects not just the fuel but like what we're talking about today too on like the catering side and the basic business operations like Mm -hmm. this is a big deal for our our world not not just for industry but our world and if we're a part of that world we have to start taking some sort of initiative to move that forward and push the effort more on those that are creating the fuel because the way that i see it is the the demand is there because everybody needs fuel the demand is there because fuel is fuel regardless if it's blended or not so there's the demand now we have to push it back to these um, organizations like the fuel providers the manufacturers the um, refineries and getting them on board and start switching it out like it doesn't hurt your aircraft from what i've understood from all the different operators and oems and um, engine manufacturers that I've spoken with that I've heard about. Um, so if that's the case with this, you know, 70, 30 blend, that's the, kind of the traditional blend, I would say, then it's like pushing those people that have the most impact on getting this done faster, pushing their bottom line, pushing them to kind of to eat some of that in order to create something bigger. You know what I mean? So anyway, that's my two cents. <laughs> I'll stop talking. <laughs> I'm with you on that. I couldn't agree more. Yeah, and it just seems to be one of those things where it's so, it's a fairly new-ish concept. And so I think a lot of people realize, okay, this is something we need to pay attention to. And there's a lot of questions and there's less answers. Like nothing is streamlined. There's no template. And so we all kind of just need to work together and share ideas to create best practices so that it is easier moving forward. Exactly. Hey, Jeff, you mentioned that like Signature might start including this on price sheets and F-Fuel as well might showing locations. I'm, I don't know much about this topic, so silly question, but is this just in the U.S. or can operators expect to start seeing um, SAF at international locations too? It's actually, um, from my understanding, and I'm, I'm definitely not an expert. I'm more like a, um, I'm like a private investigator that like thinks they know what they're talking about. <laughs> but um, <laughs> um, I, I think the biggest thing that I've heard is that internationally they're a step ahead of us. 
they've already started rolling out SAS initiatives and programs, and it's actually substantially um, faster in their pace than it is in the U.S. So we're actually behind in this whole method of things. Now, I can't speak to what um, the vendors will be providing internationally versus domestically, but um, I mean, my 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 assumption, which is not really good to assume, but my assumption would be that no matter what location it is, if they have the ability, they will push that, that information over. And if they don't, then that's a question of why aren't they um, and what's, what's stopping them from doing so. But I see it as fuel. So if it's SAS, regardless of where it's coming from, if, if AFUEL or if World Fuel has it in, let's say, in um, in London, then they're going to push in a rate, like in FuelerLink, for instance, they'll push in that flag or that availability there will be in your FuelerLink program once they start onboarding with that whole process. That's my that's my thoughts on that. All right, cool. Any other questions for Carrie? Andy, come on, you've been way quiet, Andy. What do you got to say? <laughs> uh, I I'm I'm. Any other questions? Otherwise, uh, we are what we wondered if anybody is uh, starting to travel more international. Has anybody seen their flight department pick up in that area? Anybody offer any insight on that? Uh, I know it, it's still said, tricky. Yeah. You said we're starting to pick up, correct? Yeah, yeah. Travel in general is definitely starting to pick up in, from the perspective of uh, talking with charter organizations and corporate organizations. I think corporate, um, and you you guys will probably speak better to that um, from the corporate aspect, but from what I understand, it's, it, you know, um, I think corporate side is a little bit still a little bit um, holding back for international travel per se, but charter side is kind of being, you know, they're, they're forced to do this for their specific clients and whatnot that um, they are still going through that process. It just, it becomes a question of if somebody on your plane or somebody around you in your organization has um, any kind of symptoms of COVID, they um, they will pull you out, but they'll also pull the entire team out. And, and a lot of these organizations, these are the stories I've heard, um, and they will make it so that you can't fly for the next, you know, week and a half or whatever in between that testing period time. Uh, regardless of if you came up positive or not, because somebody in your organization was positive. So they want to make sure that they take you out. So it can be really hurtful to a business to operate, um, especially the international side, because I think it's just more um, dedicated to tracking everything that's going inside and outside of the countries um, through the, the borders. But um, they are starting to pick up and people are being more cautious and more safe about it. And it's really just all about doing your own part and not stressing about something you can't control. You can't control if you don't know that somebody has contracted COVID, for instance. You don't know that. Um, but what you can do is you can, you know, um, do those basic steps that people are talking about and um, that your organization has probably already put in place and, you know, maintaining hygiene and all that kind of stuff way that you should anyways. But, I mean, other than that, don't stress about it. You got to keep on moving. You got to keep on going. So, um, you know. 
I think everybody has some sort of process in place that their organization has put in um, because they're either they either have to or because they're passionate about it. So keep following those um, directives, and um, and I think that it will just continue to pick up. And people these days, especially from a, a charter side, are excited to start using more private aviation just because it's it's that exclusivity feeling and it's that feeling of um, higher higher levels of protocol and um, and knowing that you're being taken care of in that way. So I feel really hopeful about what's to come fairly soon and that's already started coming. So, um, yeah. I heard uh, the other day, never waste a super crisis. I'm like, wow, isn't that the truth? You know, try to try to <laughs> do, you know, you wonder what a new apps will become out of this and what new, um, you know, new travel methods. Travel always takes a dip and it always comes back. So it's going to come back. We just don't know when. So it's just interesting yeah. to see how this all evolves. Yep. Definitely. I'm excited to go to Poland soon. So I really want, and I've been planning a trip to Antarctica for the past two years. So those two trips are a must. So we better start getting that going soon. <laughs> <laughs> Does anybody have any other questions for Carrie? Any other input or I know Andy's having audio problems, so his uh, audio is not behaving for him. Um, anybody else have anything to say? I mean, Carrie, I think you're doing a great job with what you're what you've been given, especially because that wasn't in your wheelhouse. And now you're starting to learn everything from the ground up. And I just I mean, I'm giving you kudos from far away right now, letting you know, like what you're doing is impactful and regardless of what steps you're you're taking and what you think that you're impacting right now, even from just recycling your own in-home trash to doing this for an organization that you're in charge of, like that's, that's awesome. And it's like a huge step in the right direction. And the fact that you're sharing it with others around you that could uh, take ideas from what you're saying and suggesting that's, that's awesome. And I'm just really um, excited to hear more about what you, what you've accomplished. Thank you so much. And I would say if you guys want to get involved on the scheduler and dispatch side, we just start asking questions. If you work for a bigger corporation, you might find out that they are already involved in sustainability, but it just hasn't trickled down to aviation. I feel like corporate flight departments kind of we're almost on an island because usually we don't work for companies that work in aviation so they kind of don't know what to do with us they just say okay go over there help us meet our travel needs don't spend too much money and don't cause any problems but other than that we're usually kind of isolated from the rest of the company so it was a couple months into this project before I found out that Adobe actually has a sustainability strategist, someone who is devoted to um, streamlining sustainability for the whole corporation. I didn't even know that position existed. Um, but if you're working for a larger corporate company, they might have someone like that that you can call and say, hey, how can we... How can aviation participate in your sustainability plan? Um, so just starting to ask those questions and ask around. And and if you've got the bandwidth, volunteer to take the lead on, on exploring sustainability. It is a buzzword, definitely. It yeah. came up at base and um, in Charlotte, too. And I think it is definitely a, a aviation buzzword, for sure. And I, I 
Thanks, Jessica. You you uh, said all the right things, and that was excellent. So we do we do very much appreciate Carrie's time and knowledge, and uh, kind of spearheading all this information and helping us understand it. Anybody else have any other questions? Nope. All right. Well, thank you, Carrie. I'm sure we'll be hearing from you again soon, and we'll be in touch with any further information or any additional questions. You can reach out to Lindsay. And um, she can put you in touch with Carrie if you uh, have questions that we can't answer. But thanks, everybody, for your time. Thank you. Thanks, guys. Thanks everybody have a good week. Thank you, Carrie. You too. Thank you, Carrie. Bye. Great, and a big shout out and thank you to Carrie Rusi from Adobe for sharing her insights on sustainability.